Hi friends, welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. I'm your host, Jess Ronnie, also known as Jess Plus The Mess. I'm an author, speaker, and founder of The Lucas Project, a nonprofit dedicated to bringing recognition, resources, and respite to special needs families. I created Coffee with Caregivers as a space to bring awareness to the struggles that families often face, including difficulties related to finances, mental health, and everything else in between. It is my belief that stories can change the world, and through conversations with caregivers, I hope to provide awareness which will lead to compassion and resources. Thanks for joining me today, but first a word from our sponsors. Welcome to Coffee with Caregivers. I'm Jess Ronnie, and I am here today with Kelly Ten Hanken. And am I saying that correctly? Yeah, close. Ten Hanken. Okay. All right. And um, I was excited to find out that you are from my old stomping grounds, Holland, Michigan. Yes. How is the weather there right now? I imagine it's beautiful. Well, it's um, raining this morning, but it has been a beautiful week. Probably like 85, 90, sunny. So it's been great. Okay. Right. Michigan summers are the absolute best. Yes, we've enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but don't talk to us about <laughs> like January through April. I agree. <laughs> I, um, Tennessee in October is magnificent. So you win, you win in that in that world. That's true. Um, October and November is pretty nice yes. here. Okay, well, let's just get started. Um, can you give our listeners just a quick rundown of what your life looks like? What do you do? Where do you live? Who do you live with? Sure. All that good stuff. Sure. So I live in Holland, Michigan, and I'm married to my husband, Mark, um, of 17 years. We met at college in Iowa, Dort College. Um, we have four kids. Three of them are biological, and our oldest, Ruby, is adopted from Ethiopia. I am a part-time worship arts associate at my church, which means I help organize and lead worship um, a couple times a month. And my husband owns an insurance agency. And our kids are from 12 on down, 12, 11, 9, and 6 are their ages. Okay, so you're out of that real difficult period of life with toddlers and babies. And... Yes, yes, that was wild. <laughs> that was really wild, especially with extra medical needs, as I'm sure you know. But I feel like we've just um, reached a new stage. In fact, my youngest went to kindergarten full time this week for the first time. So that feels so different than it has felt Yay. for the last 10 years. Yes, we're excited. Right. So you mentioned extra medical needs. Can you go into that a little bit? Which child has sure. um, extra medical needs and what does that look like? Sure. Um, our oldest, Ruby, who is 12 now, but she has been in our home since she was about six months old and she is from Ethiopia. So we um, traveled to get her. And um, when we got there, she was in the hospital, um, had some pneumonia and some other needs going on. And at that point up to that point we had thought she was going to be a healthy little girl um and when we first saw her we knew something was not right so we got her home and after multiple hospital stays and doctor's visits kind of uncovered um brain massive brain scarring we think from a traumatic birth as far as we know her mom did not have any help in her birth um that brain scarring has triggered a seizure disorder called Lennox-Gastaut syndrome um, and then she also has a cerebral palsy diagnosis. 
so yeah, the first two years were rough as we kind of slowly uncovered what those diagnoses meant. Um, she went, her seizures were out of control that first year and a half. So, so much of what we did was just trying to get her seizures under control, but yeah, it was a wild ride. And this next question is twofold. First, how does it affect her life? And second, how does it affect your life? Sure. Well, Ruby is a smiley, joy-filled little girl, but she is 12 and she functions as probably like a three or four month old. So it affects every aspect of her life and every aspect of our life, to be honest. Um, She loves to swim and listen to music and go on walks. But other than enjoying those two things, she really can't do a lot and she can't do anything for herself. So um, it affects our life because she is fully dependent on us. She is 100% tube fed. Um, She cannot sit up or roll over or put her own clothes on or change, you know, go to the bathroom regularly. So yeah, just everything that she needs, she's dependent on us. And she's also nonverbal which is a little tricky because she can't always tell us I have an itch or I'm hungry. Um, We just have to kind of assess her body language and her cries and try to meet her needs in that way. So it's really all encompassing for her and for us. Mm -hmm. She sounds a lot like my Luke. Um, Luke just needs help in every aspect of life as well. And with the right things in place, he's a very happy go lucky child. (laughs) But if you disrupt um, his normal, he's not so happy. So is Ruby back in school now as well? So Ruby goes on Monday for the first time in yeah, since beginning of March. Um, So we've especially felt her needs in the last five or six months more than ever, um, just because she's been with us 24 seven. Um, mm-hmm. same as what you said, if all her needs are met and the situation isn't overwhelming, she is pretty happy and content. So that's a huge blessing. Um, but if she, if something is wrong, like if she's in pain or she's hungry and she can't tell me and she's frustrated, you know, then it's a whole series of trying to figure out what's wrong before we can get to the bottom of things. Um, so we have calm and peaceful moments for sure. And we have a lot of joy. Um, but there's also just a lot of, investigation that goes into making sure all of her needs are well met. And we felt that more in the last few months, especially with COVID and especially with her being home. But yeah, she is going on Monday. We're going to try in person and we are hoping that it goes really well. And she enjoys school. She does. I think it will be a transition to get back to it and get used to the people again. She doesn't see very well. So for her to take in a lot of new things at once sometimes is hard um, but she, once she gets to know her caregivers there, she really does like it. She giggles on the bus. She usually likes to be out and about. Um, they do some neat things at school. I mean, she has music therapy and she gets to ride a mechanical horse and she gets to go swimming and some of that stuff will be different with COVID, but there's a lot of neat things that they do with her that she really loves. Okay. And I don't know if you said she's 12 years yep. old, correct? Yep. Have you thought through what her future looks like? Do you have any ideas of of what your plan is or haven't you even gone there yet? Yeah, you know, my brain does go there and then I worry about it. And then I think I shouldn't borrow worry from tomorrow. And then I don't go there for a while. So I kind of have been back and forth. Um, we try to, you know, we live a little bit more 
day by day, week by week. I feel like Ruby has taught us to kind of enjoy the moment and be thankful for when things are going well. But at at the same time, I'm a planner and I would love to kind of know what that future holds at this point. Um, she'll probably be with us for a long time that we built a house about five years ago that is handicap accessible for her um, so that she could be with us for into her adulthood. Um, I don't uh, know of any facilities right by us that she would be a good fit for because her needs are so severe. Um, You know, she's not walking, talking, she's not going to have a job. She's not going to be able to live in a group home. Um, So that's kind of where we're at now you know, 10 years down the road, maybe I'll be in a different spot and maybe there will be facilities that are available and we'll have to think and pray about that. But at this moment in time, I mean, I think she'll be living with us for a long, for a long time, which is, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that we can do that right now, but I worry about, you know, when, if we're not healthy or when all of our kids are out of the house, you know, how are we going to feel about that? So yeah, that's a worry for sure. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, Even at 43 years old, and Luke is now 16, in the past couple of years, he's gotten so much bigger and stronger. And, you know, just lifting him out of the bathtub or helping him get to the car. And I think often, like, uh, my body should not hurt this much yeah, for 43 I, years old, I know, <laughs> but, I know. but it hurts all the time. And I think it is just that wear and tear of caring for him probably for 16 years. Yep. And he's a big kid now. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm like lifting a man in and out of right. vehicles and bathtubs. And I have the the same worries as he gets older and I'm happy to care for him, but yeah, what happens when I can't anymore? Right. Um, I don't know. I know. My nine-year-old just asked me the other day, mom, what, what about when we're all older, where's Ruby going to live? And so she could just see her processing like, well, are, are we going to take care of her? But what about when you're, what if, what if you die before her, then what happens? And, but yeah, you do start to worry. And um, it also affects like what caregivers I can have now because she's 70 pounds and she's fully mm-hmm. dependent. So 16 year olds who have beautiful, loving hearts and could handle her in other ways, can't physically handle her. So mm-hmm. that really limits, you know, if we think about going away, um, who we can have in the house. We went through that transition as well. When we lived in Michigan, we lived in Zealand. So right down okay. the road yeah. from you, um, we would hire college girls from Hope College. Yep to help out with Luke. And he was just a cute little boy at that point. So, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, it's, it's not such a big deal, but yeah, 16, 17, 18 years old, those college girls aren't as excited to come and help out or change his diaper or it becomes a, a much bigger process trying to find people to help as they get older. Yeah, exactly. And the diaper changing thing too, like we've I had know of a couple of young adult males in my life who are lovely and caring um, and I think could lift her. But then the whole diaper changing situation, like there's just a lot to think about as you think about hiring some help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's a complex issue. So how can people best approach or respond to Ruby? Is there something you wish other people understood more about your situation with either her or just your situation in general as a family? Well, I think, um, first of all, I really appreciate when they remember her, Um, which sounds funny because, of course, our family and friends love her. But I think 
sometimes when plans are made, she's not considered. Um, and not because they don't care about her, but because they're just forgetting that there would be, oh, we have to consider, is there stairs there? Um, can we get her to that place? You know, so the, I really appreciate it when people make plans and then they say, would this be good for Ruby or could we do this in a different way that would be better for her? Oh, that just means so much to me. Um, and so I think it's just the acknowledgement, like it doesn't take away the struggle, but just the acknowledgement of like, I see your family and I see that you guys have to do things differently and I want to know how I can help. So I really appreciate that. And then when she's around us, I think approaching her, like, again, just acknowledging her because she's nonverbal. So she's not going to give you a high <laughs> or a hug, you know? So I think people don't know they care about her, but they don't really know what to do with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I have one friend in particular who always comes up to her and rubs her arm and talks quietly into her ear. And usually Ruby will smile. And that just warms my heart because I know that she's seen Ruby. Like she's really seeing her as a part of our family. And she just has to show love to her in a very different way. Um, And not everybody sees that. And and maybe they're just uncomfortable. It's not that they don't want to. They just don't know what we want them to do. So I can maybe do a better job of you know, modeling that or talking them through that too. Um, well, I think just even sharing on platforms like this, um, because I, I think a lot of people view kids like, like Ruby and Luke as scary too, yeah. because they don't know. And I accept that. Like, that's not offensive to no, me. No, me neither. That there is, there's a little bit of a fear factor because you don't know, but ask me, I'm happy to explain like he, right. you know, his mannerisms and if he's, saying bye 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 that means get out of his face right. Right. he's gonna like start to rip your hair out so <laughs> I'm happy to walk you through that but yeah just see us and I love that suggestion too I was thinking as you were talking about um, inviting her or asking if there are certain accommodations that have to be made I don't think we have been asked that in probably seven or eight years. Um, I think the assumption now is just that we'll find a caregiver for Luke and then we'll go without him. But yeah, to be asked, like, is there, is there somewhere that we could maybe meet that would make this easier for your family with Luke? Because there are places like restaurants are really difficult with Luke, but a park with like lots of fresh air and, you know, room for him to move that's a much easier situation for our family right yeah oh it just means so much and and then if I end up choosing to get a caregiver for her because we often do as well but then that's my choice instead of it being like oh I have to because she can't come you know so it just feels so much more loving and there and there is people in our life that do that in fact it's one friend that we always host only because they know it's a lot easier for us to do stuff at our house because of Ruby mm-hmm. and they are happy to like bring food. And then they just always come our way because they love her. And they, that is meaningful to me when they approach it that way. I've heard a lot of caregivers say that, and I would echo that same sentiment that it is much easier for me to host. My house might not be, yeah, spotless, exactly. <laughs> but to like have Luke in his own environment where he's comfortable and safe yeah is so much easier than packing him up and introducing him to a whole new environment. Exactly. And we do want that community, but yes, it is very helpful if you bring a lot of the food. Yeah. <laughs> or then... we order pizza a lot. That's just <laughs> Exactly. We do too. Yep. I hear that. 
Well, I'm a huge believer in self-care and believe that as caregivers, we're not very good at this a lot of the times as we often put our child's needs Mm -hmm. ahead of our own. Mm -hmm. And especially as mothers, are you able to incorporate this into your life at all and how? Yes, I, you know, I'm, I'm better at sometimes than others. And I think it was a huge learning curve. So the first couple of years I was terrible at it. Um, I like to do things myself and not ask for help. And so my husband and I just kind of buckled down and we had some family to come around us. It's not like we had no help, but I think I was more resistant to people coming to my home and worrying what they thought about me and all of or my house, you know, had to be clean and all of that. And I, about two years in when Ruby was more stable, I kind of fell apart. And that's when I pursued counseling and just really had to like process all the grieving that should have taken place, but I didn't even have enough self-care in place to grieve, if that makes sense. You're just in mm-hmm. like survival yep. mode, right? Um, Absolutely. So at that point, we were like, we have to make a change. This, this special needs are going to be long-term. We have to figure out how to thrive and not just survive. And my husband was amazing and helped me think through that. Um, actually, my, I had, was a teacher and then I was off from school, I I quit my job to adopt Ruby. And um, at that point in time, when I was pursuing counseling, my principal called and asked if I would like this two day a week job at school. Um, And for me, that was such a gift and God's timing and offering it right then and there. And for me, going back to work a couple days a week was actually self care, which sounds bizarre. But I was able to step out of my situation for a couple of days a week and able to focus on other things besides Ruby. And at that time I had um, little Charlie as well. Um, So that was a huge part of it. And then another part was getting care in when I didn't have anything scheduled. (laughs) Like I, because I would get care when I had to go to something. So I would get care Mm -hmm. for Charlie when I had to take Ruby to medical appointments or for Ruby when I had to take Charlie somewhere. But then I started realizing that I'm only doing the bare minimum and I get home and all the work is still in front of me. So we started getting care even just a couple of hours a week when I purposely did not have anything. And I remember the first time I went and sat in a parking lot. I literally just sat there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And all like was what do I do with myself? This is this feels so crazy. Um but was able to actually read a little bit, spend a little bit of time in God's word and just like breathe. And I realized that was so necessary and it had been missing for a couple of years. So now we are better about that, knowing like we need a little bit of margin with her. Um, COVID's been harder because we've had a little bit less help, but Mm -hmm. scheduling that time where I just don't have to think about her care for a couple of hours is so life-giving. Did you feel guilty sitting in the parking lot? Yes. Yes, totally. (laughs) Like this feels so weird. And I did struggle with that for a while, but I had to let go of that because Mm -hmm. you get to a point where if you don't have that in your life, something's got to give, right? Something's going to break. And then one more thing I want to say is my husband and I tried hard to find time for each other. And that is hard, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. Uh, he was good about helping me with that. He actually took me on a couple of surprise trips during that really ugly time, um, which I would have never planned for myself because I would have thought there was no way I can leave. Um, so that's why he didn't tell me, (laughs) um, 
So a couple of those things were like, I just let somebody else schedule and take care of that. And wow, it was so life-giving, but I wouldn't have done it for myself. I don't think. Let's talk about that. Why (laughs) is it so hard for us to release that mom guilt? I think, I I think it's like an American problem, honestly, because I have friends in all different countries around the world and they have no problem like going on month long holidays. Wow. <laughs> like I have friends who went for six weeks to Thailand, just up uprooted their lives and thoroughly enjoyed their time with their family and did not feel one iota of guilt. And I don't know why we feel so guilty when we take like an hour to listen to a podcast. Yeah. Or whatever that may be. I know. Thoughts on that? I know. Um I'm not sure besides I feel like as a nation or culturally, we're so individualistic, right? Like mm-hmm. we take care of our stuff. We take care of our family. We're not going to infringe on anybody else. Um, and I'm, I'm a two on the Enneagram. So all you Enneagram listeners, but I, I like to be Woo-hoo. like, <laughs> I'm a pleaser and I'm task oriented. So for me to ask somebody else, I always have this guilt of putting my burden on them. And I wish I could get over that. I'm better than I used to be. Um, but that is hard for me. And it was almost easier to hire somebody because then I thought they're, you're getting paid for this. Right. Exactly. And it was, I'm for, the same yeah, way. Then it is for me to ask family or friends to have Ruby because I just, I can't stop thinking about it. Is she behaving for them? You know, are they having to deal with dirty diapers? And I, right. it's like not as enjoyable, which I know I just have to get over it. A lot of it's in my own head, but yes, it is a struggle for sure. I'm the same way. And I'm a one on the Enneagram. So I don't know that it's an Enneagram thing (laughs) because like (laughs) ones are like very black and white. And, but even this phrase of guilty pleasure, like why, why does pleasure have to have to have like a guilty attached to it? I don't, I don't know why we do that to ourselves and we need to get a lot better. I think at enjoying pleasure and allowing ourselves pleasure, especially as caregivers. Because we're just going to burn out. And if the roles were reversed, if this was a friend, I would be honored that they asked me to help. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to pour into people that way. But so I don't know why in the reverse it's so hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't either. All right. Well, moving along here. Um, I know that people do want to help. And like you had mentioned, you would have no problem reaching out and helping a friend in need. What are some ways that people can help your family? And then where do you see a need for improvement overall for caregivers? Hmm. Um, I mean, the, the main, I'm trying to think of what they could do to help. I, you know, a big need is there's always just little pockets of time where we need care for Ruby. Like I have to go do carpool for my son's cross country team while she can't I can't fit her in the car because I can't fit enough kids, you know, those kinds of things. So there's like two hours where I just need someone to hang out with her, that kind of stuff. Um, but it's hard for me to ask. But another way people can help is like what we said before, when we're doing something social, just acknowledging like, you've got this going on, I'll bring the food. I really appreciate those kinds of um, gestures of, of help. But yeah, I think just being willing maybe to hang out with her here and there even just like taking her on a walk so I can do some laundry or those kinds of things. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are, what are you thinking for you and Luke? <laughs> <laughs> so respite. Yeah, that's always our, our issue too. Um, our situation I think is a little bit different because we have teenagers that 
were very comfortable leaving Lucas with okay. for a couple of hours. Yep. And um, they actually know him better than even most caregivers that we've hired in the past sure. because he's he's been their brother their whole life. So if we like check Luke's diaper and we feed him and he's good to go and he's on his iPad, yep. Ryan and I have like two or three hours where we can go out and get coffee or go for a hike or nice. whatever that looks yep, like. Yep. Um, but absolutely respite for like a long weekend. Um, yes. The, over- the overnight I, like, is so hard. Yes. Yeah. Overnight is extremely hard to find people for those pockets of time. And we believe too, our marriage is extremely important and we need to invest in time together. And part of that is getting away. Yep. And recognizing even when our stress levels are really high and saying we really need to get away, even just for a night, um, just to regroup. And then it's like, oh, great, but who's going to watch Luke? Right. People are happy to watch, you know, the seven typical kids. But, yeah, nobody wants to change a 16-year-old boy's diaper. I mean, it's not pleasant, however you want to look at it. I know. I know. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do it either, but I have to because I'm his mom. So Exactly. Yeah, maybe just having people be willing to like step in the messiness of it and yes, and ask, exactly. ask the right questions. Like if someone approached me and really said, you know, not how can I help, but like, could I do this? Would that be helpful? Because I don't like if they say, oh, I'll help you sometime. Give me a call. I'm never going to call them. <laughs> oh, I'm not either. No, I'm never going to no. call them. But if they said, would it be helpful if I took me for a walk for a little while this afternoon? That to me is like, oh, yes. That would be helpful. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe having people ask the right questions and right, getting over the fear of the unknown, maybe, um, because she, you probably could get used to diapers if you're willing to step into that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I do hate it also, but yeah, I'm her mom, so I'll do it. Um, but yeah, you just deal with it. But I, yeah, I think right now in this stage, what I'm, do you find that, I, I don't know if you find this, but every stage brings like new joys, but also new grief. Um, mm-hmm. And we're in the stage where all of a sudden our other kids are like, they can jump in the car and go and they could travel and they are just more independent, but Ruby is still in the baby stage. So when, when, when they were all babies, that was kind of fine. Cause we kind of functioned as a family of toddlers and babies. Now that mm-hmm. they're moving on and she's actually a harder baby to care for because she's bigger. Um, so we're kind of just grieving. They're all being involved in extra stuff, which actually is harder for us then to figure out that balance of care, um, especially the overnight. Like I get really frustrated that we want to go away in October. They have a school break. We're going away with our kids, yet she probably won't come along. So I have to find care for her just so that we can go on a family vacation. Like that feels very frustrating to me and yeah so that overnight is just crucial I'm not sure how to get around it I totally get that I've always said it's expensive to not take a child on a family vacation right because we I mean we we pay like a hundred dollars a day for somebody to come and watch Luke as well so we go on an inexpensive camping vacation with the other seven kids and then we pay somebody $700 to watch Lucas at home, yep, but exactly that's what we do too. what we have to do. I and I found myself even nodding in agreement with your, um, with your comment about when all of the kids were in diapers and in that toddler stage, it, it, you're just sort of in it. So to have to even change one more kid's diaper, that's not like a big deal, right. but 
Annabelle, our baby, just turned five this summer, and she's now out of diapers as well. And so the only one still in that baby stage is Luke. Mm -hmm. So there is that extra layer of grief, like, we're out of it, but we're not, right? You know, we're still in it. And there is no light at the end of the tunnel either. Like, it's just going to continue indefinitely. I think that's what's hard for me right now, right? All the other kids you go with that when the things are hard, you think it's probably just a phase or a stage of life. But with her, it's like this heavy feeling of this is not going to get any better. Or is it, it might get better in my own heart, but her physical issues are not going to change. I mean, she's been the same way for 10 years. So we don't have a lot of hope of her progressing. So, oh, that's hard when I sit and think about it. And I, it I is. try not to let my brain go there too often. But yes, um, when friends talk about vacations or when friends talk about, well, when my kids are in college, this and that, like in the back of my mind, it's just a little sad feeling of we won't ever have that feeling of. I don't know, freedom or whatever it is. Ease. Ease. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's only probably going to get harder if you're really honest with yourself, because as she ages, it it does get harder. And yeah, just wrapping your mind around that and coming to terms, acceptance. Yeah, for sure. And I, I have a lot more acceptance than I used to. So, you know, I've kind of gone through the grieving cycle and found a lot of peace, just an acceptance of who God has made her to be and that he wants her in our family, but it does creep up and it surprises me. Sometimes there'll be tears at something unexpected. And that's, I think that's just the grief, grief in our situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I have three takeaway questions. I like to ask all of my guests. Uh, The first one is what is the best way someone has helped you? Um, there's been, there's been a lot of ways. So if any of my friends are listening to this, I don't want them to feel sad that I didn't pick their example. Because <laughs> there has been a lot of ways, but two things um, stick out in my mind. One, in the middle of the chaos, the first couple of years when we were really overwhelmed by everything, I had a friend say, I'm picking up your laundry, put it on the curb or put it on the front porch. And for every week for a while, she would just pick up my laundry. <laughs> and I, she, I love that. She basically didn't give me a, you know, a wiggle room to argue against her. She just said, I'm doing this. I'll drop it off tomorrow. It'll be folded. And don't even bother like opening your door for me. Just set it out there. So the fact that she was just saying, I'm doing this, I was like, thank you. Um, and we had another small group from our church also say, we're just going to bring you a meal every Wednesday for a while. Again, so people just stepping in and doing things without having me, I didn't have to make any decisions. I didn't have to schedule it. I could just accept it. And that Mm -hmm. those kinds of help. And you know what, even if they did something that necessarily wasn't helpful, but the thing, the reason, or the fact that they were like willing to step in and offer something very specific, I think has really been helpful. Shout out to West Michigan. I've always said, West Michigan is like this pocket of the world that is really good at that. Um, even when my husband, my late husband was dying, I had help around the clock yeah. for about a year. People just step up and they do what has to be done. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just a really good place. Yeah, I could tell more examples. One lady um, came over and just planted flowers for me. <laughs> she just like, mm-hmm. and um, a couple of friends, one, a couple of years ago, Ruby's having terrible sleeping issues. I mean, for months and months and months. So for a couple of days, a couple of friends came and spent the night in her room 
while we put earplugs in the basement to try to get some Oh, that's sleep. amazing. So, I mean, that the gift of that. So there has been people, um, we have felt really supported for sure. But I think the takeaway for me is if when someone does something very specific, if they just say, I would like to help you in this very specific way, that mm-hmm. so helps me because I don't have to, I don't have to reach out. I don't have to make any decisions or schedule it. They are just stepping into that. I agree. Or saying, um, I want to come watch Ruby next week. What would be a good time? Sure, exactly. Don't leave it. Don't leave it open-ended. Like, I'm coming. You tell me a good stretch of time. Yes. Or I'm bringing you a meal. Do you prefer tacos or lasagna? Amen. (laughs) Yeah. So all the only answer you have to say is tacos or lasagna. That's all you have to say. Yep. Yep. Like, don't let us say no. Just yes. make us say yes. Right. Because if it's vegan open-ended, I probably will tuck myself out of it. Or say, mm-hmm. oh, it oh, I'm fine. fine. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, second question. If you had one hour all to yourself, how would you spend it? Hmm. <laughs> well, probably with a cup of coffee and a book. <laughs> probably just something really quiet and calm by myself. Maybe a walk, maybe a hike, maybe reading. But yeah, just I'm actually an extrovert, but man, I found the need with having four kids to just have that quiet time by myself. That was the perfect setup for my final question. Okay. How many cups of coffee <laughs> are you drinking these days? Well, I'm only drinking two, but I have to say before I had Ruby, I drank zero. I was not a coffee drinker. So she made me <laughs> into a coffee drinker. I, I was like <laughs> desperately needed something. So I kind of weaned myself on to coffee because of Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, this has been fun. Thank you for sharing your life and I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. Yeah, thank you. And I just appreciate your heart to, to reach out and hear people's stories. Um, and I think listeners that hear it will just get a little better glimpse into our lives. And that's, that's a huge thing. So thank you for your heart. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for listening today. If you want to know more about The Lucas Project, find us at thelucasproject.org. If you want to know more about my story, head to justplusthemess.com, and while there, subscribe to my monthly newsletter, or maybe check out my memoir, Sunlight Burning at Midnight. In the meantime, please hit subscribe and maybe leave a quick review. These are so important in the podcast world as they help us gain traction and recognition which translates into helping more caregivers. And until our next conversation, let's do what we do best. Just keep living.